when you look at, at when we're, we've got a screen up, you probably can't see. We've got Bitcoin, we have Ether. We have Dogecoin at the bottom. There's another Shiba Inu there. The two of those are worth 80 billion. I, I mean, I, I know that you, you probably think that, that Bitcoin is, is here to stay. Do you think all of these uh, different um, crypto assets are real and here to stay? Or, or is there something to be concerned with? And, and do we need oversight so that, that people aren't left holding the bag for some of these things, whether they do or not? I'm not, not predicting one way or another. I do think that Bitcoin is here to stay, and I think a lot of the others are not. Uh, the fact that Bitcoin is fully decentralized and that some of these others were issued by a person or an entity that kept a large block of the coin for themselves and then issued others to participate means they look more like a security than a commodity. Bitcoin is clearly a commodity. It is digital gold. So I do think that having a regulatory framework uh, within which this can exist and innovate, meaning this entire space of digital assets, but uh, that protects consumers at the same time is extremely valuable. And that's why we in the Financial Innovation Caucus uh, are even as we speak putting together uh, and reviewing the legislation we have crafted uh, to uh, address these and other issues. Uh, wow. Bitcoin is the standard. Uh, everything else uh, is has to be monitored differently uh, because they are created differently. Happy Bitcoin Tuesday, freaks. It's your boy, Matt O'Dell, here for another Citadel Dispatch. I know it's been a while since our last proper Bitcoin Tuesday, but I have not forgotten about y'all. Um, we have a great conversation lined up for today, and uh, I have great conversations lined up for the next four weeks in a row. Um, Bitcoin Tuesdays are coming back strong. Uh, next week, we're going to have Bitcoin Q&A for a nice, tight Bitcoin beginner-focused conversation. Um, then we're going to have raw avocado and Waxwing on Waxwing will be joining us for a second time. And then we're going to have Eric Sirian on, uh, with the simple Bitcoin wallet maintainer and Fiat Jaff, uh, discuss, uh, Fediments and, uh, Federated lightning wallets. Um, pretty excited about that with Tommy and eCash. Um, this is Citadel Dispatch, the interactive live show about Bitcoin distributed systems, privacy, and open source software. Um, Specifically, this is Citadel Dispatch 42. We're going to be focused on security-focused Bitcoin nodes, specifically uh, Nick's Bitcoin, uh, who's currently having some issues. So he is not with us right now, but he should be joining shortly, the lead maintainer of Nick's Bitcoin. Um, shout out to the ride or die freaks who continue to support the show, uh, even though I've been traveling. Uh, you guys keep it ad-free and sponsor-free. Uh, so we can just focus on actionable Bitcoin discussion. The easiest way to support the show is to go to newpodcastapps.com, pick a podcasting app, search Citadel Dispatch, 
press the subscribe button, load it up with sats and stream sats directly to my node. Um, you can also uh, donate via Paynim at CyrilDispatch.com. My Paynim's Odell, very easy to remember, or through Tippin.me uh, if you want to just do a regular lightning payment. Um, as you know, I appreciate you guys. You guys, you guys make it what it is. Awesome, Nick's Bitcoin just joined us, just in time for me to finish up my intro. Um, today we have uh, Jonas joining us, uh, Nickler on Twitter. Um, he works with Blockstream for research, and he's been a contributor to Nick's Bitcoin. Uh, we have Vivek here, good friend, uh, who helped set up this conversation. Always appreciate him. I just saw him in Austin. Um, he is business development at Blockstream, and we have the lead maintainer of Nick's Bitcoin himself um, that goes by Nick's Bitcoin Dev. So I'm just going to be calling him Nick's for the remainder of the show. How's it going, guys? Great. Great. Great to so, be here. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's, uh, you want to you wanna say hi to the freaks? Let's see if your audio is horrible still. <laughs> so optimistic uh hi freaks hi everybody oh, you, you sound way better did you uh did you set up audio drivers on nix is that what was happening no or? no it's the usual linux thing with pulse audio and alsa interfering it's super complicated i just figured it out, out on graphene os awesome well freaks he did it he did it for you guys so everyone should appreciate that um, so, I mean, we're going to focus here to start with, we're going to focus on Nix and Nix Bitcoin. Um, and then the conversation is we're going to take it, you know, we're going to go wider with it. Um, this will be a more technical conversation, uh, but that's how we like it here on Dispatch. Just a reminder that um, this conversation builds on the conversation we had with Andrew Chow and Craig Raw on reproducible builds and building from software, which was Citadel Dispatch 37. So if you haven't listened to that, consider uh, listening to that after this live show, don't leave us. Um, so I think a, a good place to start here is, is what is Nix OS and, you know, why should we care as Bitcoiners that it exists? Uh, Jonas, you want to take this one? I, I think it's a good place to start, but, uh, before we do that, I would just like to make this correction that I know it's super confusing, but Nix Bitcoin dev is not the lead maintainer of Nix Bitcoin. Um, oh, <laughs> uh, but that's me, and I'm not brutal, saying this. Brutal. <laughs> I'm just saying oh, this man. so the responsibilities are clear. If someone merges bullshit, then that's my fault and not Nick's Bitcoin Dev's fault. Wow. Well, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm sorry about that, and I appreciate the correction, but that is uh, pretty confusing. <laughs> yeah, it I is took super the, confusing. I took so the why name. Did, why did you choose the name? <laughs> yeah, I chose the name because uh, Nick's Bitcoin was actually how I started to really get into programming with Jonas back in the day. So I didn't have any better ideas and uh, I just picked a purpose-built nickname, I guess. Also back then I was into Samurai and one of the devs there is Samurai Dev. So I just thought I'd go with it. Yeah, okay. So I, I hope that's, that's cleared up now. That was a good clarification. We appreciate that. <laughs> um, Perhaps it's, I guess, it goes a bit too deep if we already start with NixOS. Perhaps we should first talk about Nix Bitcoin because if you use Nix Bitcoin in the way that is documented in the repository, you don't have to deal 
that much with NixOS. You earn all the benefits, but um, you don't have to, to learn everything about NixOS. So NixBitcoin is a node project, you could call it. Perhaps uh, people know what that is from uh, Raspi Blitzes and Umbrel and uh, Noddle and whatever else is there. And um, I started this project um, in November 2018 um, because I guess as many people, I just set up too many Bitcoin nodes in my life already at that point. And now I would, at that time, I wanted to set up a new one just for Lightning. Um, and then I thought, man, there must be a more systematic way to do this. Like, how can we do this? We could write shell scripts or whatever, but um, I don't like this. I, want, I wanted to have a systematic way that's uh, also easily extensible in the future. And then I remembered my colleague, uh, Russell O'Connor, who's uh, working on simplicity at Blockstream. He gave a presentation at a, a Blockstream offsite on NixOS. And uh, I thought, well, maybe NixOS is, is a thing that we could build this on. Um, and I started doing that, mostly just published my own node configuration, basically. Um, and uh, then NixBitcoinDev started contributing, started running it on his node, and then more people started contributing. So we have like three regular contributors now, I would say, with, with Eric Arstead and a couple of drive-by contributors and a few users that even use that for, for their infrastructure. Um, okay, so now to get to the question, what is NixOS? Um, when I started this project, I said I, I just shared my own configuration. What that means is that I basically, I had this NixOS system, an operating system, and I was able to share this whole configuration in a GitHub repository. So people could clone this repository and rebuild the exact same operating system that I was running. And this is the power of NixOS basically, uh, or, or perhaps to, to, to go into this a bit more, systematically. Um, NixOS is a declarative operating system. Okay. Um, regularly, I guess regular users, when they work with their operating system, either they have a MacBook or whatever, and if they want to change some setting, uh, they go into their system uh, settings and change their setting and click apply and then the setting is changed. Um, similarly, if you work on a server, you SSH into the server, you change your HTTPD configuration and um, restart the service, and then uh, your change uh, takes effect. NixOS is different. In NixOS, you have a configuration file that specifies the whole system. It tells Nix, OS, how the system is supposed to look like in the end, and NixOS is responsible for building this system. So you write the configuration file, and then you say, okay, the, the, the command uh, sounds a bit weird, but it's called NixOS rebuild switch, and then your system, your operating system, will be built based on this configuration file. Okay, so this is like the basic 
NixOS stuff. It has a few other advantages, but um, what Nix Bitcoin now adds is you have simple options for uh, uh, Bitcoin related things. So in your configuration, you can say um, Bitcoin D dot enable equals true or Bitcoin D dot port equals 8336 or C lightning enable equals true and um, a lot of other modules that, that we maintain. And um, you don't have to SSH into your system or whatever, download certain things. You only have to add this option and um, uh, that way you can, you can build that system. So Jonas, are you saying this is like a Bitcoin.conf file, but for like multiple nodes and services all in one, uh, I guess, software? To a certain extent, uh, yes, because it's also a text file. But if you've looked at a Bitcoin configuration file, um, it has a very simple structure, right? It just says uh, prune equals 550 or listen equals one. Um, but the configuration files in NixOS are written in the Nix language. So that means that you write your configuration in a programming language, which means that you have a lot of advantages in writing your configuration because you can write your configuration in a very powerful way. You can, for example, you can define variables. Yeah. You can reuse code. You can, you can do all these things. You have types, so you don't mess up ports with strings, etc. Um, so that is really one of the main advantages uh, for me why, why I think NixOS really is the systematic way to build infrastructure. But so, Jonas, what you just said, I don't want it to scare off new users in the uh, <laughs> configuration.nix right now. It's all nicely documented. So most of what a new user would be doing is uh, commenting out single lines, just removing the hashtag sign from that line. So it's definitely on par with usability of a Bitcoin.com file, if not even easier, I'd say. But, but for the freaks uh, understanding, Jonas, what is, uh, I guess, the Nix functional programming language? Like, how does it differ from uh, object-oriented programming? Like, what is uh, functional? Um, functional means that you don't have mutation. So you generally don't have variables that could change uh, their values. Um, you basically just have constants, you have an input, and then you have functions operating on that input to produce an output. So in the case of um, NixOS, your input is a configuration file, your output is a running system. Got it. And then I guess uh, because it's functional, uh, it's re reproducible as well, and then every dependency also has a SHA sum and you can all rebuild the exact same packages. Is this correct? I wouldn't say that this is a consequence of being functional, but that's certainly also uh, one of the advantages. I mean, the functional aspect mainly helps you deal with complexity because you're not going to write spaghetti code because you're not able to, basically. You can only write functions, which uh, should be relatively uh, simple. 
Um, but as you said, what Nix also provides you, um, okay, perhaps it's a good time now to talk about, um, we're already getting really deep into- Yeah, we got, we got deep. <laughs> one quickly. more thing before we go deeper that, I'd say that Nix Bitcoin is the most anti-spaghetti code project of all time because we have Eric Arsted in our team who goes through every pull request meticulously, fixes every point, refactors the whole code base at least monthly. So it's yeah, really- Yeah, shout out to Eric. He's a yeah. uh, Nix uh, black belt. So- <laughs> First of all, uh, to the freaks, as always, I mean, feel free to put questions in the live chat. We will get to your questions. Um, I will also probably be asking questions that you're thinking of without necessarily verbalizing them because a lot of this is over my head and I'm learning as well, uh, which are my favorite types of conversation. Um, to, to, to start here, if, if you're just an average freak and you're running, let's say you're running a Raspberry Blitz, on a Raspberry Pi, um, and you want to you want to try Nix Bitcoin out. Uh, it doesn't run on a Raspberry Pi, correct? You need you need different hardware. And like it how does. how does that start? Like how does that let walk us through setting up your your Nix Bitcoin node? First of all, Nix Bitcoin does run on Raspberry Pis. I think um, Jonas's brother has it running on a Raspberry Pi. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, it's very easy to start working with Nix Bitcoin because of um, the container and VM code that Eric in large part wrote, which allows you to basically start up a, a Nix Bitcoin node on your own laptop to start playing with it. And once you want to go build a 24-7 running node, you just get a off-the-shelf, standalone, either single board computer or a real you know, beefy server and follow the install.md and you should be running a Bitcoin node without any major issues. But perhaps more in detail, what um, the Nix Bitcoin tutorial would tell you to do essentially is to install NixOS on your target platform, which could be Raspberry Pi, Intel NUC, or some people run it on an APU C4, I think it's called. And um, we have a list of, of hardware in the, in the README. So basically you install NixOS there, and then you can, from your personal computer, you can deploy then the Nix Bitcoin system on this blank NixOS um, machine. And it also works on like virtual boxes and uh, other things, correct? So if they just want to experiment with it, the freaks can. Yep. And they don't have to really install VirtualBox for that. They could just go into the example folder and run one of the examples, which would automatically run in a VM or in a container. The only requirement there is that you have uh, the Nix package manager installed on, uh, on this machine where you're running this. And perhaps I should mention that before you deploy Nix Bitcoin, you go into the example folder and there you have a configuration.nix. And that's the example configuration.nix, which has documentation and like it has a lot of uh, options um, commented out. Uh, so you can just remove the, um, the pound symbol 
and uh, activate things like lightning, uh, sea lightning, or LND, um, or whatever. Join market pool, everything, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So if and you look at that, if you want it a real look, life, yeah. If you want a real life example, which always helps me when I start learning something, you can go to our GitHub um, organization and. The second repo there is nixbitcoin.org, which actually gives you the full server configuration of our own um, internal project node. Um, and that will give you a really nice, um, quick example of how a basic setup would look like. Awesome. OK, so before we get deeper, I, I'm running Raspi Blitz, right? A lot of the freaks are running Raspi Blitz. The main advantages of switching to Nix Bitcoin, or at least testing it out and considering a switch, is that it is more transparent what you are running, and it is ideally a more secure setup all said and done. Would you agree with those two comments? Matt, I can uh, expand on like I guess my whole node journey because yeah, do that. Yeah, so in short, I would agree. In short, I would also. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I started off just you know in 2017, just like a lot of the freaks, a complete pleb. Uh, it was only because of UASF I finally ran a node, but it was pitiful because I didn't know how to verify my own transactions because you know I was still in the oh, I'm trying to decentralize the network mentality or whatever. Uh, for, fast forward to 2018, where, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to attend Ellen Hack Day, uh, Rootsall, uh, Jonas's younger brother, Constantine, uh, Merch, Rene, and uh, Jeff, uh, also, you know, FOMO. Um, they were very kind to, like, have patience and explain to me how to run a Raspy Blitz, storing the seed and everything like that. And that's where I finally learned uh, simultaneously. This is around the time that uh, Pierre Richard put out his node launcher. So all this was fantastic. Uh, it was really cool. But uh, going forward, I wanted to uh, have a node, just like Jonas mentioned, that I don't have to uh, figure out like necessarily what broke if something did break in uh, my package manager. Uh, this recently happened to me as something as simple as like with homebrew pip and trying to get a Jupyter notebook to work for uh, Jimmy Song's book on a MacBook. So uh, that that mentality kind of stuck with me where I want something that I figure out once that's a config file that I could kind of keep handy somewhere and I could just uh, use that same config to almost rebuild the exact node. And uh, that's when, you know, Jonas helped me through this a bit more. And uh, it was intriguing because uh, there's also, uh, quote unquote, atomic rollbacks in this, where if something were to break, then I could just go back to the last build that worked. So for these certain reasons, um, I thought, you know, it was worth the steep learning curve to proceed down this path. I actually... My node journey was pretty much the exact same, only that it was paired with my uh, paranoia, which made me use Debian from the get-go. But I always had a huge issue also with maintaining such a node because you constantly have to SSH in and, and change things. And yeah, so at some point, and I was always using Electrum 
um, with it. And at some point, the Electron server project went all Bcash. And I decided to trash that node and start working with Jonas. And um, my first thing was the Electron Rust server. And from there, we just kept on improving it. And uh, from my side, I think I brought a lot of the security conscious thinking into it. And we have some security features right now in Nix Bitcoin. We'll get into it probably in depth later that I haven't seen anywhere else and especially not with other Bitcoin nodes. So that's a major advantage. Yeah, I also think uh, everything is kind of moving in that trajectory, right? Uh, even with Bitcoin Core and uh, having bootstrappable builds as Carl Dong uh has brought up with geeks, you know, er everyone's trying to figure out a much more methodical approach to these sort of things. But so awesome. I think that was, I think that was very helpful to both me and the rest of the freaks. Um, I would say I'm on a similar journey, but I just haven't discovered Nick's Bitcoin yet. So my journey stops there. <laughs> if security is what you're looking for, which I'm pretty sure most people who run a node are, because uh, first of all, they're, they want freedom and also they want their funds to stay secure. I think the learning curve is more than worth um, taking up because uh, I can get into very in detail the advantages, but I've looked at some of the other code and this is not to uh, talk badly about the other node projects, but I've, I've looked at the code and none of the security features we we and the work we put in i see in the other nodes plus it's more spaghetti code which always yields insecurity so what jonas also said with shell scripting it and what you also said matt about you know transparency and system configuration i think that's already half of security there is knowing exactly what runs on your node and having just really what you absolutely need running there no unnecessary ports, no unnecessary print servers whatsoever. And I think you can't get that with a shell script in the same way that you can with NixOS. I like to give the example that when I started working with Debian, I tried to install, deinstall every single package before I set up my Bitcoin node, which every single time broke the entire system. So I, I can say from experience that NixOS offers security conscious users something that no other node project does. Also privacy wise, we have everything um, locked behind Tor on multiple levels on the individual application level on the system D service level and um, even on a network namespace level. We'll get into that later, I'm sure. But from a privacy perspective also, you don't want some mistake to leak your personal information out to the world and this financial stuff is very sensitive, um, personal information. So I'm very, I feel very safe with Nix Bitcoin because everything has multiple layers of security, which are all very transparently laid out and reviewed constantly. So, I mean, from my point of view, historically speaking, uh, Bitcoin node security was mostly focused on the privacy level, like you said. Um, because when we use a traditional Bitcoin node uh, with on-chain Bitcoin, your keys aren't held on the node. Um, 
so you you have privacy risk but if someone compromises your node it's you know not the end of the world in terms of actually losing funds but now that lightning is in play and we have these hot wallets with a growing amount of money in them um, that are always connected to the internet you know security has become way more important uh, from from my perspective and i assume from from most bitcoiners perspectives and also on top of that the fact that with lightning there's no really easy way to back up um you have this situation where reliability becomes really important uh where where you, you need to be able to count on your node uh you want to have as much uptime as possible and you don't want anything to get corrupted or have any kind of issues in that regard so i mean that's also a unique advantage of mixed bitcoin is that one system goes all the way down from a raspberry pi to a ZFS enabled um, redundant power supply enterprise server. And the same review work we put into the Raspberry Pi and the same knowledge we get back from users of the Raspberry Pi goes into the enterprise no, um, node and vice versa. And I think this having this approach um, maximizes the improvements you make on the node. And that's what it's really about is learning from mistakes and reviewing and having transparent code that you can fix easily and constantly. Yeah, I think that's that's a very uh, important point. I think Nix Bitcoin can only focus on security because uh, NixOS is the methodical way to set up a system. Because the the goal of Nix Bitcoin is to manage complexity essentially, and if you add things up to a running system, it will get exponentially comp more complex very quickly. So how do you add security to such a system? You will have holes, uh, you, it's, it's unavoidable. So what we really try to do is keep this as simple as possible. And we do that, which I tried to explain earlier by basically using the concepts of uh, abstraction and reusability of code because you treat your infrastructure as code. You treat your server as code. And um, because it is code, it can be reviewed on GitHub, for example. I think this is what, because otherwise we wouldn't be able to set up a such a sophisticated uh, system as Nix Bitcoin with uh, three spare time contributors, basically. So uh, Nick's Bitcoin dev kept saying you guys have additional security features in place that aren't in place in other node projects. And he said we could talk about it later. I feel like now's a great time to talk about it. What do you guys think? Okay. I'm, I'm so ready. <laughs> so I think that's great. Uh, I think the thing that sold me even more on Nick's Bitcoin or Nick's OS was uh, the whole pseudo vulnerability that happened and how they... Uh, you know, they had do as, so they didn't necessarily uh, go through that issue. I'd love to hear both of them elaborate on that. <laughs> so that's actually, I would be flowing into it naturally. Uh, first of all, Jonas, um, the reason why it took him such a long time to set up Bitcoin nodes uh, manually, I think, is because he always did it the right way, which means having one user per service, et cetera, et cetera. And um, 
Other, Nixbit, other node projects don't have that. They run everything under one user, which makes it simple, but we don't do that. And we have every single service running under a different user with fine-grained permissions between services. When Lightning Loop needs to read certain things from LND, the service gets that permission, but nothing more. So that's the very first step is using Linux properly. Then we go on to um, system D, which, you know, people have different opinions about it, but in our use case, it made so many things easier that you have a long list of security features and even an editing tool, system D internal, which you can run over a service configuration and it will tell you exactly what kind of hardening options you still can enable, which are which ones are already enabled. And we just basically went through that list and turned on everything until something broke. <laughs> And right now, that's the status we're still holding at, which is everything possible that System D offers in terms of hardening is enabled. That goes from private root, uh, private temporary directories, um, firewalling on a service level, um, on and on. Just uh, privilege escalation protections, which wouldn't exist um, normally. Um, Jonas probably can think of a lot. It's up around 30 or 40 hardening settings. And then we go even further to the actual packages that are being used. Um, again, we have an extremely minimal foot footprint, whatever you enable in configuration.nix, only that and its dependencies are ever deployed to the node. And every package we maintain ourselves is GPG verified if possible. And um, we're slowly bringing that into upstream as well. Um, and uh, it, which is supply, basically taking care of supply chain vulnerabilities. Uh, but that's definitely the biggest construction site we still have. And um, what else am I forgetting, Jonas, security-wise? Jonas, can you go over like how the, I guess, atomic rollbacks are possible with uh, the way it's designed essentially with the Nick store versus the traditional like... Uh, file system uh, hierarchical standard? Okay, that's, I think, a, a good question. Um, so what this rollback means is that, um, let's say you have your configuration, you make a change, you deploy it, you notice that your system doesn't work anymore. Um, what can you do? Well, one thing is to just boot up and in the boot screen of NixOS, just say, uh, I don't want to run the current revision. I want to uh, use an earlier deployment. And that way, you can make a rollback. Um, how does that work? Um, that goes into, into the reproducibility aspect of uh, the Nix package manager and NixOS, um, the system. And um, when when you read anything about reprodu reproducibility in the NixOS world, that's a different, it's important to understand that that's a different definition of reproducibility that we usually use in Bitcoin. Reproducibility in, um, in, uh, in the Nix world means that given some package, you know exactly what its dependencies are. You know the hash of the sources, let's say, the source code, the hash of the source code itself, and how um, these various dependencies play together. That's all like everything is hashed, etc. 
like uh, you could imagine like a big Merkle tree or something of, of dependencies. But uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that the output is, if, if, if I build the same package on two different system, that the output of this build, like a binary, has exactly the same bytes, right? It has exactly the same dependency, it had exactly the same source, but there may be differences on these systems, for example, the current time or whatever, that makes um, the binar binaries different. Th there may be like a different byte at position XYZ or, or whatever. Um, so that's, I think, important to understand. However, at least for the minimal NixOS system, um, the binaries are actually reproducible in the sense that we mean in, in the Bitcoin world. So that, that's, I think, also an important aspect. So this reproducibility allows you also to roll back because um, packages have dependencies, but also your current system consists of packages which have dependencies. So you can just uh, store what your current system is. And um, if you go back to a previous system, you know exactly the packages that were used to build the system. And you don't, when I say exactly, you don't, I don't mean that you know the location where these things are. I mean, you know exactly the hash of this specific package, right? Um, and um, so th this gives you this kind of reproducibility aspect, which I think in the security context makes sense because that way, you know exactly what you are running on the system. You know exactly, you, you have one hash and that's your system basically. And from that hash, you know uh, exactly how your system is set up and what packages were used. So if some package is bad, you know if you're running it, if, if you're using it, and you know also hopefully how to get rid of it. Also, the rep kind of reproducibility that Jonas mentioned allows us to um, make very deep changes in the operating system, um, but uh, make them um, make you able to roll back from them. So I like to use as an example something I think which is unique to Nix Bitcoin probably in all operating system configurations, which is something called network namespaces. Usually on Linux, you have a local host and every service running opens a port on localhost and every other service can just talk to that. Sometimes services have authentication like macaroons or passwords, but sometimes you can also just call up the service and start talking to it. And we really didn't like that in Nix Bitcoin. So we invented something using standard um, Linux kernel um, functionality called network namespaces, which allows you to put every service into its own little box and um, and fire and gives you very fine-grained firewall control over which box is allowed to talk with which other box. So for example, your um, Ride the Lightning or Spark Wallet won't be able to talk to Electrum running on the same system. Um, and this is something that goes really deep into the operating system, but because everything is reproducible, in the way Jonas, Jonas explained, um, you can switch back and forth from that. And one day when you want this extra complexity, you can have it enabled. And the next day, when you feel comfortable with running in localhost, uh, with running everything in localhost, you can go back to that. 
And these kinds of deep changes wouldn't be possible with shell scripts. Perhaps they are, but they're very complex. And just to be clear, I don't know much about these other node projects. From my perspective, they could also have that. Um, I just can talk about what, what Nix Bitcoin is doing. And, and perhaps to, to rephrase this, what Nix Bitcoin Dev said about, um, about the network namespaces, and since we're also on the topic of security features. Um, so what you can, you, you use Nix Bitcoin, you enable Bitcoin D, C Lightning, and Spark Wallet, let's say, and Spark Wallet is like a front end for, for C Lightning. So, and your threat model is kind of that Spark Wallet is compromised, okay? Uh, that's a problem because Spark Wallet has access to your C Lightning node, right? So it can spend your coins. That's bad. But um, also bad is if if Spark somehow is able to access your Bitcoin node as well. Like let's say there's some kind of supply chain attack on uh, on Spark Wallet. It's not. It doesn't seem too unlikely that something like this happens. Then you really don't want Spark Wallet to access your Bitcoin. You don't even want Spark Wallet to see uh, your transactions, your Bitcoin transactions. That would be a privacy leak. You also don't want Spark Wallet to even know that there is a Bitcoin D running on this system. And that's why we have this um, net NS feature. Net, um, what you, you can imagine that this is like a network on the Nix Bitcoin system itself. So you give each service a different IP address, and then we have a router and a firewall inside Nix Bitcoin that makes sure that only services that are supposed to talk to each other even see each other, right? because they cannot just ping any arbitrary IP address. They can only ping the IP addresses they're supposed to talk to. So C-Lightning has an IP address, Bitcoin has an IP address, and Spark Wallet can only ping and connect to um, C-Lightning. And also we use that opportunity to add an extra um, protection from IP address leaks because uh, if you have a certain option enabled, which is enabled by default, um, services are only allowed to connect out of their network namespace, out of their box to the Tor router. So all connections, uh, you can be sure from that service, will either go through Tor or not go to the internet at all. And there's multiple options, right? I recall uh, there's Tor, also a way through WireGuard, and then now uh, I2P recently. Um, the I2P is um, Bitcoin specific, but what was amazing about the whole I2P um, feature is that enabling um, I2P with Bitcoin was a four line diff in our code, <laughs> which is amazing if you think about it, that you can enable such a complex feature with just a couple line differences. It was just services.i2p.enable, which pulled something from NixOS and then the appropriate options in Bitcoin D, and it was just able to start running immediately. And um, so that was something where I was, again, very happy that I was running Nix Bitcoin and that I'm developing on Nix Bitcoin because doing something like that on uh, Debian or whatever else um, would take much longer <laughs> and be much more difficult to maintain. So let's say uh, you know something was compromised in uh, Nick's Bitcoin. 
because of the way it's designed, do you feel that it would be easier to identify where it was and uh, you know pinpoint it at much faster than maybe the other uh, potential node boxes that are have taken more of a scripting approach? Uh, I think mostly the advantage is that um, something uh, that is compromised won't necessarily compromise other things that it doesn't have access to already. So uh, in Jonas's example, a Spark wallet vulnerability, which is very likely because it runs on uh, Node.js, um, that wouldn't, would never affect uh, Bitcoin D because it's so sectioned off on multiple levels, sorting from users to system D options and so on and so on. So I think maybe Jonas, you can say more to what Matt said, but in my opinion, the biggest advantage is uh, basically flames from one service won't catch all over immediately onto other services. I mean, there are multiple threat models that, that we protect against. And um, one is that a package is compromised deep in your system, a library is compromised, and you might be, uh, since um, your whole system is pinned to certain dependencies, you know uh, if you are running this bad dependency or not. Um, and there's also the thing where Spark, the service itself, is, is compromised in some way and now tries to break out and um, really to damage to um, the whole system in various ways. Um, so perhaps another security feature, it's more trivial, but I wonder in, in Raspi Blitz, when I guess you also SSH into the system, do you usually do you do that as root or how does that work? Question to Vivek or or Matt. Yeah, I, I think so. Yes, you do. Okay, so in in Nix Bitcoin, for example, we try to pay really good attention on having like a user that has restricted abilities but is still able to interact with all these services although the services themselves are separated by running under different uh, linux users so that user is usually called the operator and the operator can run all the important commands but is not root for example and this is like a simple uh way i guess to to get quite a bit more security from your from your node and this is the and, whole and this for example is also only possible this additional complexity um is is really possible to maintain because of the way the ease of, of the nix os approach so um uh, yeah it's uh, something that uh, the, the principle of least privilege, which is something a basic security tenant that everything should only have access to what it absolutely needs, every user, every program, is a nice theory, but people usually, it breaks down when people start having to maintain such a system and all of a sudden something breaks, so they just disable the extra security feature and give more access than they need to. And with Nix Bitcoin, we do the whole thing once, we do it properly, and every change that we make to the software gets run through our automated testing suite. And, um, and if there's any issue, we, um, we, the developers, fix it before it ever gets to the users. And we know that 
what is what we are testing is exactly what is going to arrive at the user. So um, we talk about security often in, in in an abstract way, but here it's very clear how the um, the way NixOS works helps us to maintain and yeah to create and maintain a secure system. Next Bitcoin Dev, uh, since Vivek asked, can you can you go into the uh, pseudo versus do s story? Oh yeah, exactly. I, I forgot that. Um, so the pseudo do s story was something that was also personal to me because halfway through developing Next Bitcoin, I stumbled upon OpenBSD, which is kind of the OG operating system for security conscious people, especially on servers. And I started to think about maybe this effort we put into developing Next Bitcoin is misplaced. Maybe we should do OpenBSD minus Bitcoin. Um, but I quickly discovered that just because a system is relatively secure when you boot it up doesn't mean it stays secure over time and doesn't mean that you can respond to security vulnerabilities quickly. And one of those security vulnerabilities that popped up was the pseudo bug which first of all is because sudo is written in C and sudo is an extremely complex program, uh, unnecessarily so. And it was only a question of time until such a terrible security vulnerability popped up, which basically allowed any user to gain root on the system where sudo was installed. So um, from my background with OpenBSD, I knew that they do a couple things right which is write really minimal uh, good programs, like for example, OpenSSH, which is in use everywhere in the industry and is the only thing I would feel comfortable uh, running internet facing, which gives people root access to my server because it's so well reviewed and so well secured. Um, the same authors that wrote SS OpenSSH also wrote a tool called Duas, which has since been ported to Linux and we decide as a project to from now on um, use Duas as our um, tool to get, have you, allow users to gain root access when they need to. Um, in our system, it's more used for root to become user, but that's going to into detail. The main point here is that Duas is, is a much more minimal alternative to sudo, and changing that in NixOS again because it's so transparent and it's, it's code, it's not an abstract system where you input um, lines into a, into a command line uh, every couple of weeks and you forget what you used to, what you did before. It's a clearly laid out code which gets reviewed on GitHub by multiple people on every change. And um, Duas making that switch was very simple. And we still, by the way, enable people to keep continue using sudo. It's just that we try to lean towards security in our default. So, I mean, we have two comments in the chat and I just want to make sure that I didn't speak incorrectly. Um, with Raspberry Blitz, um, you use an admin user, but it has sudo access, which to me, that means it's root, right? SSH Is it password protected? <clears throat> yeah. Yes, but it's, it's always password protected, isn't it? Like you type in, you type in, so usually when you're using Linux, right, and you want to have root access, you type in sudo and then whatever command you're going to do. And then once you do that, it asks for a password and then you have root access, right? 
Well, I mean, I guess there, there's a difference between the admin versus the root, but uh, I don't know necessarily where their privileges end on whatever OS. <laughs> so, so there is us, a difference. For, for, there is a definitely a difference because by us, the operator user has no way of gaining new privileges. Uh, there, he doesn't have access to, uh, to do as in that way where he can go up to root. So... I guess that's a slight difference, but I'm glad to hear that this security step is existent. Unlike Jonas, I'm not so diplomatic, and I, I will say that something like Umbrel, for example, has terrible security practices. And um, yeah, so I'm very happy to hear that Raspi Blitz is, 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 um, has that in place. Nice. Perhaps just just to clarify again, we use this do as thing and also like as a replacement for sudo and mainly for the operator user to become the C Lightning user or the Bitcoin user, and it's not possible to get root. Gotcha. And then Saturday also just added Ronin Dojo has SSH key auth, so uh, or offers it. But um, any any person with a, uh, with half a brain should be using SSH key auth. Passwords are not. Not 2021. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Matt, do you think uh, we could jump into maybe like uh, cool features about Nick's Bitcoin? You know, uh, they recently had a release. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff on there that I'm fascinated with. Uh, I think it's a good. Yes, let's rip it. Cool, cool. So uh, I guess the stuff that intrigues me most about Nick's Bitcoin is that it's kind of agnostic. Uh, you know, there's a liquid node on there that you can enable through the module. Uh, you can have LND node. You can have a C Lightning node. Uh, there's pool on there. So I, um, you know, frankly, in these times where uh, there is like all sorts of uh, protocol standardization uh sharp elbows going on um I, I find this as like the way forward in a sense uh the other things that i'm fascinated with is uh they also have join market elect rs btc pay server so uh, i wanted to give Jonas and uh nick's bitcoin to have a chance to talk about maybe what they use or find uh cool and then uh, i think set trinity had a question a while back about btc pay server and uh, LN URL, which we can jump into afterwards. But yeah, Jonas. Definitely. And definitely. So, uh, first of all, because you said C Lightning and LND and Nick's Bitcoin being agnostic, I think Nick's Bitcoin is probably the only node project that allows you to run C Lightning and LND at the same time easily. I believe uh, Raspi Blitz just added that, but uh, okay. yeah. Nick's Great. was the first. <laughs> So it's, it's actually very simple, but I get very fascinated by this. <laughs> um, uh, but for some of the development nodes, I actually have that running, which makes it easy because I have can test both on one node. But um, you mentioned join market, and I like using that. And it's really difficult to maintain because it's Python code. And it, a lot of work goes into this join market thing. So I hope I'm not the only user. <laughs> but it's... It, you're the only maker making those uh, fidelity bonds. <laughs> yeah, no comment, but <laughs> join market is something I like to use. I like to use C Lightning and LND. 
Um, I haven't gotten into really the uh, lightning stuff like pool and loop, but I love this thing called CL Boss, which Jonas turned us on to. It's the coolest thing ever. You have a C Lightning node, you put funds on it, to, on it, you enable CL Boss, and it has such complex logic that it just figures out uh, what are the best possible routes and channels for you and just does with your funds really everything automatically and tests stuff periodically, um, chain rebalances, and even, um, e uh, even um, uh, uses low, low feed times to do a lot of these um, on-chain operations. So it's, it's something like set and, and forget, and you always root. You always have a root. And um, that's something I really like to use. And on our- Even sets your channel fees. Yeah, exactly. It's so cool. <laughs> it, it's so just to clarify for the freaks, uh, this is a C Lightning plugin that I believe Z-Man made, and yeah, uh, this isn't the first time I've heard this, and I keep hearing it from different people. You know, uh, Francis from Bull Bitcoin. You know, he was a pessimist about Lightning, then he got intrigued by it, then he had some liquidity issues, and then he tweeted later about CL CL Boss fixing all of it. So um, very bullish on this particular plugin. Uh, it fixed my my issues too, really, and um, and it, it it somehow picks nodes I like. <laughs> it, it it picks cool nodes, and um, something else with Nix Bitcoin Org, um, because somebody mentioned BTC Pay Server, um, we have that running in a in a professional way. So if anybody wants to see how to deploy BTC Pay Server public facing, um, and and have it really be very stable and reliable. Go check out the nixbitcoin.org repo, and um, we have we have um, Bitcoin enabled, we have Lightning enabled, and the coolest thing is we also have Liquid enabled. So you could make Liquid payments to us, which so far one person has done, but I, I'm really into it. <laughs> um, what else? Well, you, I'll, got I'll the, you, you got the I only Liquid user to donate, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Inspired, man. So, uh, it's hard for uh, us. Last, last thing I like to use is um, uh, uh, a Spark Wallet, but I think that's on the way out because it's unmaintained. And we're gonna today we or today I finished the uh, ride the lightning module, which is gonna go through very intensive testing, and then we're gonna have that as a graphical user interface for making payments with either LND or C, C Lightning. And also managing your node. So your the RTL, the RTL uh, package or module is going to be awesome because I remember uh, uh, you guys didn't like GUI people, and uh, we were somewhat of peasants in your eyes. But uh, it's it's glad I'm, I'm very glad to know that uh, we matter now. <laughs> no, you do, and and look, it's it's one thing <laughs> if you have a node with a couple thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin on it. I'm sorry, I still use the dollar as a unit of account. I know I'm not a great toxic maximalist, but still. Um, so if you have a node with a couple thousand dollars on it, I would feel comfortable to have a GUI. But once you start getting into the tens and hundreds of thousands, I would stick with uh, C Lightning only or LND only. <laughs> That's a fair uh, point. Uh, the question specifically that said Trinity asked were, are there plans for Nix Bitcoin to make it easy to expose a BTC pay server to the outside world to take advantage of the new LNURL slash lightning address functionality in a safe and secure way. 
So um, I, I don't know if it's so easy, but public facing again, um, usually we only work with um, onion services uh, in the next Bitcoin repo itself and kind of say that if you want to do anything more complex, we want you to know what you're doing and you should be doing that um, as a, because Nix Bitcoin is super extensible, you should be extending that yourself. And if you want an example for how we extended Nix Bitcoin to work with ClearNet um, and uh, ClearNet and Tor at the same time for NixBitcoin.org, check out the NixBitcoin.org repo. And as far as LNURL goes, um, we are working on that. Um, Eric Arsted thinks that's a super cool feature, and I'm sure there will be a very um, thorough and uh, and good um, PR coming up very soon. So Jonas, I took up a lot of time about the features, but uh, I'm also interested to hear how you use Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, that was a, was a good summary. Um, I'm also a fan of the CL Boss. Um, I think more people should look into it. It's also not it's also kind of extensible and not many people are really looking at this right now and Seaman is only updating it from time to time. So um, I think there this could be improved quite a bit. What uh, someone, uh, what, what language? It's in C++. Oh, C++, got it, okay. Um, so just because um, as I need to answer this question so I don't forget. Someone asked, how do you get a Nix white belt? And you usually get a white belt by showing up at the gym. So in this case, it would be to check out uh, the Nix Bitcoin repository and read uh, what is there and perhaps also delve into the NixOS documentation. Um, the white belt whole stuff reminds me that um, <laughs> about, I just want to say something quickly about the project culture at Nix Bitcoin, which is very software oriented in the terms of cypherpunks write code. And um, yeah, I, I know that other projects have some kind of belt system and then and community managers and everything. And we are, you can rest assured that the three spare time Nix Bitcoin developers waste all no time on, on such stuff and focus all their time on improving the software for your node. And, and you guys are politically agnostic, right? Like, you know, uh, I'm a California communist, so uh, I'm very happy that I'm embraced in your community. <laughs> so I guess we, we all have kind of our own political opinions, um, some stronger, some less strong, but uh, we try to keep Nix Bitcoin, or we do keep Nix Bitcoin. Also the reason why I picked a NIM and a project-specific NIM um, I am, I think also the other developers are in this to write good code and good code automatically produces freedom, I think, <laughs> at least, yeah. So we're, we're not in it to fight with anybody. Uh, we're in it to make good software that, and beautiful software, non-spaghetti software. And um, we kind of keep our political opinions to the to other, other parts of the world. No not, segue not to X. That, that's not political. That's technical. I think, but <laughs> definitely no to X. We don't. We also had a, a discussion. Remember, Jonas, um, when when um, Taproot stuff came up, 
and we oh, took a very year. clear line and decided a little bit for our users, uh, I guess, uh, something that we decide the defaults and we're definitely, we definitely take a, a blockstream position on things. No, Jonas? <laughs> but I mean, compared to other projects, if like in the future, and, and this was a conversation, so I had pretty much all the other maintainers, all the other node project maintainers on for like a round table discussion, except for Umbral, uh, who refused to participate. And, um, you know, one of the main top that, that was around, uh, when, when the whole taproot thing was going on with speedy trial and whatnot. Um, and so in the future, I mean, there could be a situation where we have, you know, contentious clients where we have multiple clients and, you know, taproot was kind of obvious. Um, but where we have a situation where we have, you know, multiple clients that are in contention with each other and these node projects, you know, are kind of going to, there's no clear answer there on how they will proceed uh, in that type of situation. And people can say one thing or say the other, but like when push comes to shove, um, we'll see how that all plays out. But am I correct in my understanding that with something like Nick's Bitcoin, it would be easier for me to basically choose which Bitcoin D client I'm running. Um, I, I'm not necessarily, I, I think that because it's, it's kind of a, something where we take a lot of the technical complexity out of your hands. Um, we also make decisions that we think are in the best interest. But I think if something really contentious came up where we wouldn't see a clear um, clear answer, where most of the time I think with Bitcoin, because it's so hard to make changes, if there are changes, they are only, they're very clear um, for the better or um, only with pretty much only upsides. But um, yeah, I, I, if there was something really contentious where you could fall on either side, I think we would make an easy option for people to choose. But um, going in the idea of us trying to protect our users and also ourselves because we use it ourselves, um, we make sensible default decisions on a, on a technical level. And also one quick thing about Vivek. I think you said you're a California communist or who, who said Yes, yes. <laughs> no, I think that's something also very important by us that we we accept and love and accept everybody, I guess. Uh, but definitely um, everybody's welcome. And um, It's about running good code and, and, and using Bitcoin the way it's supposed to be used uh, on sovereign hardware, um, privacy by default, security by default, and um, not about anything else. And but am I, am I wrong? Am I wrong in... Am I wrong that like to to run a different version of Bitcoin, all I have to do is change a line item on in the config file? Jonas, what do you think? I mean, these are future things. I mean, but... if it's if it's contentious, then it's already too late. So there's no safe option. Yes, then we would have some option. I mean, would make it optional to the user. But I don't. Probably other node projects would make similar choices and would make it easy for the user, whether that's like changing a uh, config file or changing something in the GUI, I guess. So, so a couple of things here. First off, uh, you know, I'm being facetious about the whole California communist thing. Uh, you know, skills are what matters most. So I echo uh, Nick's Bitcoin dev sentiments. Uh, it seems like specifically for this instance of Taproot, 
speedy trial uh nick's bitcoin is not uh as you know inclined to take the lot true approach uh maybe rightfully so uh you know given that uh uasf did reveal that the nodes the full nodes are like the validators in the network and the miners are kind of the appenders who need to follow the full nodes say of course you know uh, with contention of economic nodes and all the other variables thrown into the mix uh but with that said there was no reason to uh drive things to that right away uh if it was uh you know contentious in that sense where uh miners were adversarial then of course we can do it but in this specific instance uh it didn't feel as if that was the right way to do things and further set president uh not to say that's not a valid opinion i do very much respect luke dasher as well as others that would run the code and have expressed uh that opinion like mdk you know so uh i think it varies and um if it did come down to that contentious moment again like uasf uh i think like there would be like multiple uh i guess configs for this uh and maybe all the distributions or node boxes of whatever client software the whole lot true thing also goes with our general philosophy which is safety stability um first and um we like to do things easy and not you know go all the way all of a sudden we're very thoughtful in our decisions everything in our code base has a lot of thought that goes into it and um once we fix one thing it stays like that for uh, and we like it it stays like that forever so we are very careful using with our code and also with these kinds of things and um so i think that gives a little bit of the background why we didn't choose to go with the radical approach initially another I mean, thing this that is people's money up. you know it's it's people's yeah. bitcoin and once it's gone it's never coming back so no, i mean i appreciate the conservative nature for sure um i think most bitcoiners do uh, it's like become part of our ethos in general um Another another line of, of conversation that came from that conversation was the ability to like easily migrate between node projects. If let's say you're running a, an Umbral or a Raspberry Blitz and they decide to go a route that you don't want them to go and you want to easily migrate without closing out all your channels. Um, is that something you guys have considered? Is it like how, how, how difficult is the migration process if, if someone already has a um if they're already running raspberry blitz and they have a bunch of channels open or vice versa if they're they're running nick's bitcoin and they have a bunch of channels open and they want to move to raspberry blitz is that something that you guys have considered so i guess in theory uh you know more than even a nick's bitcoin question this is uh i guess how easily can you uh port your channel db and wallet dot that and actually like the the different derivation standards like the AZ with the birthday and other stuff. Uh, would you say that's fair, Jonas? And how does Nick's Bitcoin do this? And maybe whether it's different or similar to others? I think this is quite difficult to do in a general way. I know people who did this, who didn't lose their funds, but <laughs> 
I think there are many things that can go wrong. Just imagine that um, like the, the LND or C Lightning versions are different on the next Bitcoin node you're porting to, to the, uh, to the node you're porting from and somehow your data directory isn't compatible anymore and it expects something else somewhere else. So I think that gets difficult really quickly. I think it's a good question. Um, because could be expensive to close your channels to set up an, a node. Um, I am in principle, if you had two Nix Bitcoin or Nix OS based projects, I guess it would be simpler to make this um, switch because then you could do it uh, basically programmatically because you know what versions are running there. Um, but for like a, to migrate from a general, like any kind of um, uh, Bitcoin node, I guess that requires some custom uh, thinking. So, um, Jonas, you just made a PR that I'm going to review in the next days of, uh, of the backup plugin for C Lightning. Wouldn't you just be able to restore from your backups uh, from one C Lightning backup, uh, one C Lightning backup you made to your new next Bitcoin node or vice versa? I guess that's kind of what I was alluding to in the clarifications for this question. Are we talking like between implementations? Because that might be more of a lightning problem. Or are we talking between mm -hmm. like nodes? Uh, and then also uh, essentially um, don't want to dox a person, but we did necessarily see someone who was able to migrate from uh, L&D recently, correct? I, in our elements chat. <laughs> Um, I guess if it's about uh, uh, changing between different uh, Lightning implementations, of course, that's that's not not our problem. But yeah, I guess it's too easy to lose funds. And to Nick's Bitcoin Devs question, we have this backup plugin. Actually, that's a good question. I'm not quite sure what the backup plugin does. It simply writes down uh, the SQL statements that would usually go to your database. Um, and it writes this the simply the SQL statements into a file appended. And um, I'm not sure how um, portable it is between versions, but that's a really good question. We need to we need to figure this kind of stuff out because um, I have this dream. I, 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 am arti I have articulated it in some private conversations, but my kind of long-term vision, which is just mine and, and you know, and as Jonas pointed out in the very beginning, very clearly, I am not the lead <laughs> maintainer, but my vision is to, uh, we have a couple things that we really need to get done, which is one, ride the lightning and um, really good backups, solutions, and a couple of other things. And after we finish those things, I want to make a, a V0.1 or 1.0, whatever, in our naming scheme release. And from that point on, um, just make functional improvements or um, deprecate one feature in favor of another, but not keep expanding the complexity of, of Nix Bitcoin, adding new features, but instead make that more um, part of secondary projects for people's private um, like module extensions. But I kind of want to want to finish, make a finish line for Nix Bitcoin and start only making improvements in, in, in functionality and then 
and speed, secure all these kinds of underlying stuff, which which we pride ourselves in. I think we want to get better and better in that. And um, and backups is one thing that is I think a question for all of Lightning, but specifically for us because we want to be the most safe and and conservative node for people. And backup a good backup strategy is is an integral part of that. So um, I. I want to get into that in the coming. That's part of, that's one of the most highest priority things that we want to get done. Also for our own interest, not just because we think it's a good idea, but I also would appreciate have, having clarity about how safe my lightning funds are in case of hardware failure. And because that mentioned matrix and L, or element chat, I want to give a quick plug that I think that Bitcoin users should slowly migrate onto matrix, which is, shaping up to be a very robust decentralized federated chat solution. And um, I think this is more in the ethos of, of Bitcoin than people using uh, centralized things like even Keybase or whatever, which can all have a political lean. And, and it's just a question, a matter of time until people start getting banned, until people start getting shadow banned, whatever. So um, I think that quick thing just about matrix and our project is, is pro matrix. We have a matrix server, which also interacts with IRC over libera.chat. And we're really, I feel very comfortable with this. And I think every Bitcoiner shall have his own square, his own little house in the digital realm, his own property. Uh, like he has his money, he should also have property over his, his uh, communications. Just a side note. We'll get back on topic. Hey, Matt, my yeah. uh, autism is kicking in because of this beer, but uh, I wanted to dive even deeper, like for backups, essentially. Uh, with the channel DB, you know, the main issue is like the state and uh, like storing all those revocation points or the transactions, right, Jonas? And like with the commitments, um, does any yep. pub out? Uh, Will that reduce the amount of state required and reduce like the channel DB size? Um, in principle, yes. You should only have to store the latest state. Um, and if you store an earlier state because you, um, uh, you have an older backup, an, an updated backup, essentially, instead of losing your fund, your funds, you should be able to recover trustlessly kind of modulo fees with your uh with your channel partner awesome um but before we move away from this whole feature discussion i want to answer a few questions <laughs> from the chat so um let me find this radix rat asked if there's a if I want a new version of Bitcoin Core that's not supported yet via the Nix Bitcoin update scripts, what should I do? Um, that's a good question. So I can tell you that if I wanted to do that, that would take me uh, two minutes or something to do that. But for someone who hasn't worked with Nix, it would easily take a couple of hours. And uh, the reason is just that we have to be honest, the Nix and NixOS documentation is really terrible and it's a lot of custom things that need to be done i could show you easily in two minutes how to do it if you show up in our matrix channel for example i guess that would be uh, the right answer to this question 
but usually we try to update relatively quickly. I think our Bitcoin D updates, they landed within uh, two weeks, one or two weeks within the, the release. Yeah, uh, something that also, I think that um, on top of the security features and everything, um, Nix Bitcoin is one of the node projects, I think, that updates the quickest and you don't have to wait on, on, on stuff with us. We usually have things running in days or in or maximum one crazy times, two weeks. But usually we're snappy with maintaining stuff, except join market, which usually takes a long time to figure out uh, how to <laughs> do. <laughs> and, and just to clarify my earlier point, Using Nix Bitcoin the way it's intended to be used should be relatively straightforward for a technical user who's familiar with command line. But if you want to do custom stuff, then it gets um, quite difficult quickly. And that's why we say it's the lowest time preference uh, node project because you it makes sense to invest into learning these things because then in the long run, you hopefully have uh, fewer problems. So Jonas, I read in the chat a lot of stuff about making it easier for noob users or, or not so technical people. I even read the dirty word windows and other things. So <laughs> what do you think about us making Nix Bitcoin pleb friendly and lowering the bar of entry? Can I take this? Yes. So, I mean, uh, I've been telling Jonas for a while that I'm going to build a tutorial. Uh, you know, uh, Matt had like the Plebnet folks on before, Raj Winder and P, uh, many others I've discussed with also like uh, another guy named Richard, Miguel, Raphael. So they are interested in this and uh, they are fairly technical. So I think it's uh, very much possible as long as there's like, a good tutorial. So working on that with some Intel NUC hardware that Jonas has suggested, uh, specifically to the Windows question you mentioned uh, is from VidGamer14. He says, the bar to entry seems extremely high. Like, can you even run this on an old Windows laptop? And to that, I say, you know, I have run Nix OS on an old MacBook Pro from 2010, and uh, it worked. I got Bit Nix Bitcoin running as well. Uh, I tried recently on a 2017 Surface Pro, uh, the, the, what's it called? The resolution was a little screwed up, but if I plugged in an HDMI, I was able to see a font on another uh, monitor. And um, I think it, for the most part, Nix does run pretty well on multiple things. But uh, the main issue I've encountered is whether, you know, to use uh, the UEFI booting or uh, I guess the legacy BIOS boot option like in the NixOS uh, install instructions. But once again, like Jonas and Nix Bitcoin Dev mentioned, uh, just hop in the matrix and ask some questions and uh, people are more than willing to help you. Matrix or Libera.chat if you're into IRC more. Maybe we bridge out to other things in the future, but right now that's really what we, um, what we use for communication. I read two questions here that are related from Setrinity and Sovereign Hodler. Um, can you talk more about the BTC pay server implementation and how you're exposing it to the outside world? Does Nix Bitcoin use Tor? Great question. So first of all, Nix Bitcoin by default always uses Tor and only Tor. 
So if you are running on a home node and you want to start up a BTC pay server, if you go into the config and um, uncomment the line BTC pay server enable, what will happen is that on, once you deploy that to a node, um, it will set everything up and generate a Tor Onion service for your use. Um, once you want to leave the Tor world, and um, once you want to uh, endanger your own privacy and, and start dealing with NAT and all those things, um, you're kind of on your own, uh, which I think is something we want to make a little bit difficult. But um, I wouldn't recommend it for home use, especially uh, exposing your IP address and dealing with NAT. Usually better if you want to have a BTC pay server just for interacting with people privately, um, just to use Tor. And um, if you want to know, then Sovereign Hodler, can you elaborate on public facing BTC pay? Does it expose your home IP? Um, no. Uh, public facing with an onion service won't. And if you start um, going out of that secure space, like we did with nixbitcoin.org, uh, it does expose your IP, obviously, because you're using ClearNet. And um, uh, that's, uh, are, that's something we did manually there. Are you aware of uh, the IP tutor support that Raspi Blitz has integrated? Uh, I am aware but of it, its name, but I never... How does it um, so make the it clear net IP? The name is like pretty self-explanatory. Uh, so, so like the the issue is right. So, like if you're if you're a merchant and you want to run BTC Pay server, and you want to run on your own hardware, doing Onion only, doing Tor only is kind of a non-starter. Like all your customers need to, you know, open up Tor browser and and go to your Onion link. They can't. Depends what kind of merchant you are. <laughs> That's true. It depends. It depends on the type of merchant you are. But if you're just like a st a standard. Uh, I'm selling you know, coffee. Yeah, you're selling coffee, and uh, you 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 want to use BTC Pay Server. It's it's pretty much a non-starter to do tour only. But the other issue is that if you're if you're running it at home, you're running out of your office, exposing your IP to the whole world uh, is obviously horrible for your privacy and security. So they they have this IP to tour service integrated where you pay them Sats, and it basically does a tunnel through tour to a VPS that they run and then they provide you like a clear net uh, IP. So you that can- That sounds a little centralized to me. Yeah, it's extremely centralized and it's not very reliable to be honest, but it's a cool feature. Um, I've kind so, of come so to the conclusion and I'm curious of your opinion is like, if, if you're a merchant in that kind of situation, I mean, the perfect example is uh, my other podcast, Rapid Hole Recap, where we accept donations via BTC Pay Server, um, is to just run a dedicated BTC Pay Server instance on some server somewhere that's you know a virtual private server, and you just um, you just expose that IP address and you keep it contained, and you just have a separate node for yourself. Right? And and then you would take a look at nextbitcoin.org. <laughs> or um, at, at, at how we did it there, and that gives you a pretty straightforward way to also um, expose BTC Pay Server publicly and also safely. Because what we did with our um, with our nextbitcoin.org is that in Nginx in the web server, 
We um, disallow access to a lot of uh, the admin API and API admin stuff that people don't need publicly, which I think is a mistake in BTC Pay Server, kind of that uh, the same way you administrate the node is also the way you access it as a customer. I, we have certain issues with BTC Pay Server, but not to get into it, um, I, we, we block all that stuff. So I think it's really worthwhile to take a look there, but probably something we, we should make easier in the future. But as far as how I would do it, if I was a merchant trying to uh, expose, not expose my public IP address, uh, but at the same time be available over ClearNet with um, high reliability, is I would use WireGuard uh, to run a very simple public VPS server or something that really only takes uh, you know a couple one CPU core and maybe one half a gigabyte of memory to have a, a public facing WireGuard server that tunnels from from that public IP address to your local machine. But um, I think that that's something that's um, yeah, that, that's something that isn't, isn't straightforward as just setting an option in, in next Bitcoin. So um, Jonas, do you think that's something that is in the project's future to, to make easier or are we sticking I mean, to, with Tor to, to, to be honest, um, To be honest, it should not be too difficult to set this up yourself. I've done that a couple of times there are probably ways for nix bitcoin to make this simpler for you to use um perhaps one thing to mention is that um if you you, you can use nixos on one machine and deploy your configuration to one machine but you could also run your whole infrastructure uh, on NixOS, which means that you have one configuration file per server and you can deploy them all with uh, one command and they can interact with each other, share their variables, etc. And once you're doing that, you're definitely not a pleb anymore. So if pleb means anything, you're not a pleb anymore. So I, I thought about this a lot today. Like if, if you're doing that, you're not a pleb. So people should be aware of that. You're not a pleb, you're a freak now. But Jonas, how would you go about it? Would you be would you put the BTC pay server on a VPS and have it connect to your Bitcoin node over over WireGuard, or would you put the BTC pay server on the on the on your own hardware and then just put the public facing WireGuard server on a VPS? I guess that uh, the, depends on, on your situation and how powerful your VPS is. For example, sometimes these VPSs that you can get privately are pretty underpowered. So perhaps you don't want, you only want to run BTC pay server there, especially if it should be performant. So it all depends. And this is really like when, if we want to add support for it in Nix Bitcoin, then the question is exactly in what way, because people are different and have different um, requirements. And that's why it makes sense to learn how to use NixOS, because then you can build these systems uh, by yourself relatively easily. But I think something like IP2Tor is, is pretty elegant solution to this problem. What I think that 
what's different also about Raspi Blitz and 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 Next Bitcoin, which is a disadvantage and an advantage at the same time for Raspi Blitz, is that Raspi Blitz um, thinks about a very specific kind of user and makes it easy for that guy. So um, it thinks about a user who has a who has a Raspberry Pi four with this and this amount of gigabytes and this and this kind of HD or SSD and who's running it at home and wants to do things that somebody at home does. But what Nick's Bitcoin takes more of the route is that we give a basic kind of function and, and, and uh, some, some really streamlined stuff. And once you want to do something more, you start extending it yourself, which is much easier than you think probably. And, um, and, and once more people start using it and sharing their configurations and, and writing tutorials, um, it will become as easy as just following a tutorial for your use case. I'm not sure if those are things that we should really um, determine for people in Nix Bitcoin because Nix Bitcoin tries to take the agnostic approach and not presume a way you're using it. Yeah, I think... Um... Just uh, just one aspect of that. I'd be in favor of removing features from Nix Bitcoin. Actually, make it as simple as possible, but extensible. So um, that's one of the things that we're investing quite a bit of time on. How can we make Nix Bitcoin extensible? So we have one core Nix Bitcoin system that perhaps ha has Bitcoin D and perhaps the Lightning implementation and sidechains or whatever has a module for. Um, having a Tor interface and the password interface, um, but everything else would be kind of separate repositories that can be, that can have a separate governance and would be able to easily integrate with this uh, Nix, um, with the uh, like upstream Nix Bitcoin system. Yeah, and also for, if anything, once we reach that certain point where we have more features, uh, these couple of features that we've laid out that we need, like um, a graphical node manager and other stuff, we're not going to keep on adding to Next Bitcoin, but we're going to start chiseling away at it and making it more robust. And um, and uh, yeah, I mean this this kind of already works. So people are using Next Bitcoin and build modules on top of that without integrating them into the upstream Next Bitcoin repo. Um, I don't. I'm not sure. If, I, I'm not going to dox him who's doing that anyway. Um, so it's already possible, but it's just not very ergonomic at the moment and not documented at all. If anybody still has a burning question, I would suggest uh, putting reposting it again because I'm reading through questions now and I'm not sure what really got answered in the context. So somebody's still listening uh, and, and hasn't had their question properly answered, please um, write it again maybe if you can because scrolling I think some, through is... Yeah. I, uh, I, I saw a, it wasn't a question, but Winsome Hacks was saying, you know, my he was commenting on my question, which was, was the twofold question, which was migration and the ability to choose which Bitcoin version you run. And he was saying, I think rightfully so, that it's important that we have standardization and, and these things are easier to use. 
rather than focusing on edge cases. Um, the reason I br brought it up is because to me, to my monkey brain over here, you know, I see we never had like these node projects before, right? Like this is like a relatively new phenomenon. If you've been in Bitcoin for a while, we used to just, you know, run Bitcoin D or run Bitcoin Core. Um, now you have all these like managed node projects. And one of the things like Umbral has been making noise about lately is, is, you know, whether the validity of their claim is correct or not they're taking credit for a lot of the growth on lightning and a lot of the growth in node count and saying that it's, it's their users that are running these nodes. Um, so in my mind, I immediately go to this theoretical situation in the future where whatever the leading node project is decides to, you know, push their users towards some kind of contentious, uh, it's version of Bitcoin. So, so I'm like, I think that's like a real fear. Like, I think that's something that could happen in the future. And I'd prefer if I prefer if we weren't trying to figure it out, you know, as it was going down. I mean, Matt, like you're, you're spot on, like this is basically like a redo of, uh, or deja vu of, of BitPay and like, yeah. Jibs, you know, and I think this problem will always be there, uh, where, you know, the noob users will come into like whatever, like a MyNode or an Umbral, and then they'll brag about having like onboarding nine of 10 nodes of like the last year. But uh, I think it's our duty to make sure like they go further down the funnel, right? Like uh, maybe like they just get pissed off because like their channel state just keeps crashing uh, and then they're, it just corrupts uh, other things like maybe uh they get jacked because there's just too much attack surface uh you know things like that like we, uh i think no matter what it'll be whack-a-mole with whatever is uh, at the top of that funnel and so, uh, it's pretty fucked <laughs> so, so i guess that also with with node projects now that you're add, adding that layer of abstraction you also have to kind of find who you align with philosophically and I, I'm somewhat skeptical that next Bitcoin is going to become by itself. Next Bitcoin is going to become the go-to Bitcoin node for everybody. Maybe as an underlying, um, uh, as an underlying structure for a more user-focused, uh, more user-friendly uh, thing built on top. But by itself, I don't think I don't see next Bitcoin going that route of being the mainstream. Um, node project, I guess, but it's something for people who um, align with our philosophy of, of, of conservatism, stability, security, and, and taking things into your own hand a little bit, technically also, techn to, to, um, to uh, be, be sovereign in that way, which I think is, is it, you don't have the option as, as a, somebody who wants to remain sovereign, uh, digitally of, of being a tech noob, you need to increase your skills over time to because the other side is also increasing their skills and 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 building a, a more and more um, elaborate net of control over um, over uh, you know companies and 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 what whatever and and uh, so uh, when you really want to be sovereign, you need to also kind of understand the technological side and. And if you align with our philosophy of conservatism and security first, then um, it's it's worth investing the effort. And probably it's not going to be everybody, but we're I mean, going to be that that per, that role in the market. 
hundred percent. Um, I guess not to beat a dead horse, but to just reframe my perspective a little bit. I tend to agree with you that, uh, and with Vivek that, you know, Nick's Bitcoin will be, uh, and, and should be, I think rightfully so geared to more technical users, uh, who are farther down the funnel. Um, I guess my perspective is, and maybe this is just like a, maybe this isn't even on the dev side. Maybe this is more on like a tutorial side, but to make it easier for people to migrate from these top of the funnel node projects down to Nick's Bitcoin. Uh, because, you know, right now, I mean, I, I have pie on my face from earlier in this year when I was calling for a sustained high fee market. And as you can see from mempool.space being streamed right now, just fees have been fucking low as hell. But in a sustained high fee environment, all of a sudden, all those lightning channels you have open become real frictions, you know, sticking points where people, you know, might not like the direction a node project's going, um, but they're hesitant to move because they have to close and then open. So each channel is is two on-chain transactions. Um, so it's just, you know, I, it, I think it's just something to consider making it easier for someone who's already on one of the other node projects to migrate over to Nix, but a maybe, couple, yeah. I think you're, you're hitting a couple of things that are super interesting. Uh, I, I think start nine is well positioned to be probably like the most uh, compelling top of the funnel solution that, uh, you know, has a multitude of these sort of offerings. Uh, ideally they have some other competitors uh, that are a bit more respectable, not just Umbral. Uh, and then with that then said, uh, you highlighted on a great point of vendor lock-in, uh, not only between like the node boxes, but maybe between the lightning implementations themselves, you know? Um, and I don't necessarily know if like uh, we fix that, you know, it's more of like on a, on a standardized standardization or like a, a spec level type of thing that needs to be, ironed out about like the the backups and channel db you know like it it uh it gets hairy really fast i totally agree that standardization would be nice um absolutely i don't exactly see the lock-in problem it would be a problem if it was a problem but for example in respi blitz if they would make decisions you don't agree with you at least if it's like a simple thing using Bitcoin core version X versus version Y, someone could fork it and hopefully you'd be able to intercept the update process and uh, basically point to this forked repository instead of the original one, at least with Nix Bitcoin, that would be possible. And it should be possible because otherwise you're not in control of your money. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I guess that's where- That's a good uh, point. That's where some of the node boxes, you know, rightfully so, uh, have diverging opinions about open source and like FOSS. Oh, yeah, that's that's something very important that that open that that free software isn't just something that you throw around because it's a cool marketing term, but it's a it's a way of of thinking about the world that your computer is your property, an extension of your brain and your and you. And, um, and free software means being in control of that. And um, Nix Bitcoin takes the maximum approach on that. And we're MIT licensed. 
Um, somebody also, I think I read in the chat that it needs to be a business and, and businesses are, um, Nix Bitcoin is first and foremost a free software project that people develop in their free time. Um, people who have, don't have economic interests except that they want to have a great node that works really well. And there's a place in the market for that too. There isn't just a place in the market for glossy, um, uh, glossy quote unquote open source source available nodes. There's also a place in the market for a hardcore MIT project, hobbyist, um, made with love, made carefully, made for your own use project. And that's next Bitcoin. And, and uh, not to really, you know, tutor horn or whatever, but uh, this is like priceless. You know, it's, it's not to say like this needs a business or whatever, like literally have Jonas Snick, one of the Taproot BIP authors working on this as like is pet project so you know it's something fascinating you know and, and you have also eric who is probably one of the most knowledgeable people in the world on the inner workings of nix reviewing every pr meticulously and also not to toot my own horn but i'm more on the paranoid side of things as jonas would probably confirm and um, i'm also looking at things and and everything is always open for review. And uh, there's some very technical people using it. Again, not to dox anybody, but there's, uh, there's people who know what they're doing who are using Nick's Bitcoin and also looking at code changes. So um, I think those are things that are a little, that are really, as you said, priceless and um, not a business case. Hey, Matt. Um... I had a flash of autism again. You know, when we linked up, we were talking about uh, PTLCs and I guess Taproot in a sense of like, uh, do channels need to close or how are they updated? Uh, we have Jonas on here with us too. So uh, it, I recall just based on what you said yeah, about- Yeah, Jonas, do, do I have to close all my channels to take advantage of PTLCs? <laughs> um. Not necessarily. Okay. You will have to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you won't get the benefit of music, for example, immediately uh, because your channel is already open, right? So if you want to close it, you always have to provide two signatures to close it. So I guess that's. But uh, PTLC should be separate from that. Well, so, so. You, you can have like the output updated in the existing channel, right? But uh, to take yep. advantage of maybe the updates to Bolt 7 and 2 and 3, that's when you need to close it and reopen? Um, why would you have to close and reopen? Um, I'm, I'm a simple pleb. Uh, this, is, this is the impression I was under. <laughs> Closing and reopen for updating to music or for updating to PTLCs? Uh, just like, I guess, PTLCs, um, maybe a uh, taproot address, uh, music, ideally, like, you know, whatever is like the. There's the this meme. There's way. this meme going around that like we open channels for our grandchildren, right? Like you, you want to have long lasting channels that are there for years and have reputation and whatnot but is that is that just a meme like are we going to be constantly closing our uh, channels and opening them up for whatever new goodies we have in line 
that's that's a good question. So it depends on what the upgrade is. I think the Lightning community, which I'm not really a deep part of the technical light, Lightning community, they would like to start with upgrading to um, music first, which would mean that instead of having two public keys and two signatures on the chain for an open and close of a channel, you would only have one public key and one signature. Um, but for doing that, of course, since the public key is in the channel opening, you would have to close and reopen. But um, perhaps doing that can be deferred to your grandchildren, so you will always have this open channel. I think for if you want to upgrade to L2, you would have to make another uh, Bitcoin transaction that doesn't have to be a closing transaction, but at least another Bitcoin transaction. Um, just want to touch up on two questions I saw in the chat. If, if, if the PTLC conversation is, um, is that a, as a conclusion? Uh, we can go back to that. Uh, I want to totally nerd out with Jonas later about okay. signatures and other stuff. <laughs> okay, so uh, just quickly, I suppose uh, Winsome Hacks says, I suppose a question then is, who do you see using it? There are many more people not using it than using it and want to migrate. So right, I really see the technical users who are focused on Nix using it at the moment. And I think that because we're so focused on, on improving stuff right now, I don't think even have the time of doing tutorials and and so if, if anybody here listening is a good project always needs somebody who's into documentation and and somebody who's who's um making videos and and uh, and and showing people how to migrate and all this stuff so i think our project would very much benefit from you if you're like that um but until that really happens and gets and gets easier, I really see the um, technical people using it or people within companies who want a good basis to build on, um, just uh, using Nix Bitcoin as, as their starting point. Um, uh, another question that I saw also, oh, Winston yeah, just, just to that question, how, yeah. how to contribute. I think um, another way to contribute is just to suggest what uh, we should do with Nix Bitcoin, because perhaps um, there was this impression earlier that we are kind of building Nix Bitcoin for some ideal Bitcoin user, but that's not the case, at least not for me. Uh, whatever I do, I do mostly for myself. I do stuff that I want to use myself. So it, Sometimes it's difficult to um, to know what is currently on vogue in, in the Bitcoin world, like whatever, a, a lightning node manager or something like that. So I'm always happy to get uh, suggestions in, in that area. That again, that's nice about Nix and I guess free software in general, that the knowledge and the use cases of, of different people can come together in a, in a homogenous project. Um, and that's we share all the knowledge. We share the use cases, and the more people who put in the effort to get into Nix Bitcoin, the better it's going to become. And another thing that I really want to get into with Nix Bitcoin is, is exploring the different ways that Nix OS is, uh, or in the Nix OS community of verifying 
packages in, in the way that reproducibility is understood in the Bitcoin world. Um, I think we, that's something we really need to do, Jonas. And we talked about originally, there was something, Trustix, that came up that built, uh, basically packages get built on, on a decentralized network of, of servers controlled by different people. And then hashes get, of the final binaries get compared. And then only the ones where they truly are the same for everybody get, get put into the system for users to download from. And we really need to ex exploit more the reproducibility in the sense of Bitcoin nature of, of NixOS. That, I think that's another point that's uh, worth getting into. So you were talking about um, like you do a Nix Bitcoin upgrade and perhaps your Bitcoin D version upgrades. And usually you would go to the uh, NixOS as cache and download the new uh, Bitcoin D version. Um, but that's, of course, a problem if you do that. And the cache that is maintained by the NixOS people is compromised and would um, provide a backdoored Bitcoin D. So um, what we're actually suggesting in the tutorial is to build everything yourself. So then when you do a Nix Bitcoin upgrade, uh, it actually takes a while for me on my system usually it depends sometimes half a day or so but uh, during that time the whole system everything that changed is rebuilt from source and i think that's also a really great uh, security feature and then you can also have something which i have is, uh, is in my network a build server where every every nixos computer every nixos machine um, running in my network, put hands off all the intensive build tasks to the to the um, build server, which has a lot of cores, high memory. Uh, it's obviously not something that everybody can use, but if you're going the maximum security way, want to build everything from source and don't want to wait half a day, that's something you should look into. Jonas, that was just yeah. uh, quickly. Just continue, please. <laughs> I just quickly wanted to. So, not everybody thinks that it's the only option is waiting half a day. You have the option of. Yeah. of, of going but if you do that uh, again, you're you're not a pleb anymore. You're like yeah. Saruman in his tower, commanding his Urukai. <laughs> Saruman in his watchtower. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I think before. Uh, so uh, there are at least three three points on no Nix Bitcoin that I would like to to make before we go on to this other nerd discussion. So one <laughs> is that uh, and a security feature that we haven't mentioned yet are um, uh, which I think are, are underappreciated are uh, Bitcoin D um, RPC white lists. So what that is that's a list that a Bitcoin D RPC user. Um, is allowed to, it's a list of RPC commands that a Bitcoin D RPC C user is allowed to make. Um, so you could have a public um, Bitcoin RPC user, which we're doing in uh, Nix Bitcoin, and that public user only has read access to your Bitcoin D node. So the whitelist would say, yeah, you can, you can uh, read blocks or you can um, 
check what the chain tip is, or you can see the peers, but you cannot use send to address, or you cannot interact with the wallet at all because the RPC command is not uh, allowed to be used. And um, where is this useful? For example, it's useful um, if C Lightning is compromised, because usually C Lightning has full access, has RPC access to, to Bitcoin D. So it, a compromised C Lightning could uh, easily uh, just spend all the coins in the Bitcoin wallet as well, which is something that, of course, you want to prevent. But if you use these um, whitelists, um, which we do by default in, in Nix Bitcoin, then even a compromised C Lightning cannot steal your coins on Bitcoin D because it uses these uh, whitelists. So everyone who's maintain uh, who's running their own uh, Bitcoin node should think about this and integrate it or switch to Nix Bitcoin to make use of um, Bitcoin DRPC whitelists. Just we also do the same thing with macaroons. So uh, for BTC server, for example, we don't just give it the admin macaroon. We bake a custom macaroon that only includes the um, permissions that uh, BTC server absolutely needs for LND. Hey, going through my point, apparently, second one <laughs> is that we have a relatively comprehensive test framework. So that means that if you open a PR, then um, basically a Nix Bitcoin will be spun up on a VM and it will be checked uh, whether all the services are running and whether they can interact with each other. And this is really useful. It's also basically a feature of uh, NixOS. I mean, other people can reproduce it. But it works quite well, and as a result, we have relatively frequent releases because we don't really, when we do updates, we don't have to do manual testing, uh, really, perhaps a bit. But um, if these tests are running, then we know basically that we can uh, release um, the software. That's really nice. And also what this test framework allows you to do is um, to have a um, set up, so, okay, it's, it's like this. Some of our bug reports are scripts. They are scripts that build a Nix Bitcoin system and try to reproduce this bug. And um, that works similar to the VM examples that we mentioned earlier. So you run the script. It can be just a few lines, sometimes five, six lines. Um, and this will spin up a VM. And um, with all the Nix Bitcoin services, and we'll try to do something weird that will exercise this bug. And this is a really nice feature um, because it allows you to quickly figure out what the problem is and how to solve it. That's awesome. Um, okay. Um, I think another point that Nix Bitcoin dev made earlier was that. Um, Nix Bitcoin is for technical people, but Nix Bitcoin is also a sandbox. Uh, Nix Bitcoin is modules, NixOS modules. And if you use the tutorial to set it up, you will use our preset, to, um, which basically says how these services interact with each other. We call this preset secure node, by the way, because it does all the tour by default. 
stuff, etc. But you don't have to use it that way. You can use it in any way you like if you understand NixOS. But what I think follows from that is that anyone, since Nix is also composable, anyone could try to build something more user-friendly on top. I mean, if you, let's, let's say a graphical user interface, for example. So uh, we have a user interface but it's command line based. I think it's pretty good. Uh, it has versioning. It will tell you if you if they are incompatible changes in a new version, it will tell you what to do in such a case. But it's um, just a command line interface. Other people may prefer graphical user interfaces. And I think because NixOS is so composable, it's relatively easy if you know something about NixOS to build stuff on top that's more user friendly. Yeah, we had a question about that on Twitter. About you guys are never going to implement graph uh, GUIs yourself, right? There's an RTL that they're trying to merge, right? <laughs> I, I guess the question is if we're going to have a GUI to uh, to manage your node, and um, I, I, Jonas, your brother mentioned something uh, some time ago about there was a Nix GUI thing, but I also like the command line interface, so. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't be bullish on that. Yeah, I mean, not. Raspberry Blitz made the same decision. <laughs> yeah, great. They, they're much better than everything I'm hearing here. It's really good stuff about Raspberry Blitz. Bullish on Raspberry Blitz and uh, Ronin Dojo. But man, I was going to say, these guys are uh, clearly attack surface driven. So uh, adding a GUI doesn't necessarily warrant the benefits if. Yeah, I feel that. It's it's cool that someone else could do it if they wanted to, though, very relatively easily, it sounds like. Yep. But, but what you have to also know about GUIs nowadays is that the way people develop GUIs with um, Electron, which sucks, or um, Node, which has uh, JS, which has, you know, we used to think that supply chain attacks are theory and never happen, but now we know they do happen, and they happen almost exclusively through NPM and the Node JS. Um, ecosystem. So uh, GUIs seem to me at least to be a huge problem. And also on um, on Linux, as long as you're not using Wayland, which is the newest um, uh, kind of graphical um, driver behind the scenes, if you use XServer, which is the standard on pretty much everything, um, you have to know that each one of your GUIs can see all other GUIs and can read all keystrokes from all other GUIs. So that's Maybe something that reflects badly on Linux in general, but that's the way it works, and uh, it's a terrible thing. Uh, it, it's a huge security hole, and the only way to get around that uh, while staying in the Linux world is by using Wayland, which is really good and um, is already being used, I think, in Fedora and Linux Mint. I'm not sure, but definitely in Fedora, or using something like Cubes OS which goes the extreme route of running everything in its own virtual machine. But um, yeah, it's, it's GUIs bring a lot of problems. They're not just good. Uh, if you want a hardcore security node, privacy node, um, probably it's a good decision to stay away from GUIs in general. And um, one off the topic thing I wanted to say before Jonas makes this third point, right, about uh, Nix Bitcoin is that 
privacy, I try to say this often, and I also want to say it here, is that privacy is not something dark. Privacy is not something illicit or criminal. Privacy is the basic way that the world used to work and should return to working, that a human being has control over who he exposes private information to and to what degree and 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 for how long and you know just really the individual being in control and and the the, the way it works now with with regulation and all these things are toothless and we're moving into a world that's that's not the way it's supposed to work and privacy is not the issue privacy is actually the the most important thing that we're losing and it's not it's not you know something that usually in the marketing things privacy is portrayed as some you know somebody with dark goggles and a hoodie and it's not that it's and and next bitcoin is not a dark project because we use tor and privacy it's a very bright project so a, a positive project in that we give the user control over who he exposes information to and we always make the decision towards privacy um, for the user. Um, and, and he needs to invest effort to leave that secure space. And, and I think that's how it's supposed to be. If you want to start risking stuff, um, you should have the technical knowledge of how it works. But by default, we want to protect you as much as we can. So, Jonas, please continue. Just this is something important that I want to say on no, every forum that I have. Thank you for reiterating that. That's super important. And uh, I'm kind of a broken record on the show about it. So, um, but the freaks can always use another reminder. Absolutely. Um, I actually made my three points already. The only thing left on my list is like what, what to do, where, where to start if you want to use uh, Next Bitcoin now. Um, should, should I go on with that? Or do we have more discussion yeah, topics? Where to start? Yep. Yeah, let's. I, that seems pretty important. Okay, we've mentioned a couple of times we have this matrix server. So that will be your start. Um, just join. Or if you prefer IRC, join IRC on uh, Libera. It's um, pound Nix dash Bitcoin, I hope. Or Nix Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. I think Nix, Nix minus or Nix dash Bitcoin. Okay. Um, then, um, we have this tutorial. So if you go on to GitHub slash, uh, github.com slash Ford dash Nix slash Nix dash Bitcoin, then, um, you will find a readme and there's a get started section. And that brings you to a tutorial kind of discussed what it, what it does, but that should be a good start and should basically work if you have a target system. If you don't have a target system, uh, then you can just run the examples. We also discussed this this earlier. Uh, as long as you have the Nix package manager, that should be also easily installable, I guess, with regular package managers. Depends on your distro. Um, but these examples, they worked on Mac OS at one point, but I don't think they work anymore, unfortunately. So for that, you would need a, a Linux um, machine. Um, what else? I think those those are the the most most important points. How to get started if you want to use Nix Bitcoin. But yeah, uh, nixbitcoin.org. That's also another repository in the Fort Nix um, organization. 
Uh, and there you basically have a good example of how you could set up a system, for example, with a public BTC pay server, um, etc. And yeah, lastly, if you would just want to learn more about Nix, I'm not sure if I've um, mentioned it earlier, there are also the so-called Nix pills. And uh, this is a tutorial that um, basically explains the, all the advantages of Nix and also gives you an introduction into uh, Nix as a programming language. With the Nix pills, I, I've gone through them many times and I have to say I never understood them. Uh, I, I went at it, I think also um, like other people using Nix Bitcoin who I know of from the hacker side where I just used it until I figured out how to use it. And um, that's also, if you're more that kind, then I, I and also another person that I know who uses Nix Bitcoin can give testimony that that also works. So uh, you don't have to have a background in computer science to, to with the right attitude, get, get, you know, get this thing running. Yeah, there's, there's levels to this game. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What, what is your bit? Yeah, someone please give a definition of Urbit. <laughs> you are. I've had someone try to explain it to me for like an hour and a half, and I just can't. I just think of it as like a whole new networking stack, like um, with its own language and everything. And um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> they, they have like shit coins integrated. They like call them like planets, stars, and universes, and. Imagine if DNS was like a shit coin and they also had like a language to uh, essentially provision uh, different IPs and whatnot. And then... I'm not scared. I'm going to have nightmares from this. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, pure Bitcoin head has never heard of this. <laughs> I'm playing, but yeah. All uh, the all the Herbert guys are going to this tiny little mention of it and uh they're all gonna flood our mentions now nick's bitcoin is gonna get this this, this is like the the insider alpha right for citadel dispatch like there's now a nick's bitcoin and urbit beef we just started just now <laughs> <laughs> well, one question if anybody knows what is squeak node <laughs> Because somebody opened a PR at Nick's Bitcoin and something called Squeaknode, which doesn't have a description in its repo, and I have no idea what it does. If anybody knows what it is, please tell us. No. You, know, you ever figured that out? Squeaknode, I have no idea what it is. But hey, the PR Matt, gets, gets updated. Matt, Bitcoin sign guy is still there, right? At uh, Urbit? Yeah, BSG is like product lead or something at Urbit. So right. when I said that I've been been chilled it for like an hour and a half, it's really just him personally. And it was way longer than an hour and a half. It was like multiple times. I'm um, bullish on anyone that can get in front of Janet Yellen with the buy Bitcoin. <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> uh, I guess, is this the time where now I can just like... Yeah, just, you want... You want your autism to run wild, or yes, you want to wrap yes. it up? You, you wait, a sec, wait a sec. Wait a sec. Do you hear there that? We go. Yeah. Sipping on the good stuff. Nice, nice. All right, I'm gonna go grab a beer too. One more. Oh, I, I listened to a lot of uh, rabbit hole recaps and wanted to do that one day. So oh, that means a lot. That means a lot. 
just trying my best out here. <laughs> I'll tell you, this conversation has been fantastic. I've learned a lot, so, and I look forward to trying Nick's out. Uh, same. I learned about Raspberry Blitz being being really cool and also Urbit. I, I I'm kind of curious now. I want to take a look at it. See if I if I can grok it. <laughs> yeah, you you try and figure it out, and then I'll bring you on with BSG, and we can do an urban show. No, <laughs> well, well, back to what Jonas was saying. Uh, it's been a pleasure being on that. You know, uh, just like I, I reminisce to the bear market times of 2018, and uh, you guys, TFTC, Stefan Levera, Block Digest, pretty much got me through. Everything else was kind of shit corny. So um, it's amazing to see what uh, these quote unquote uh, podcasts have blossomed to be as like communities now. No, the pleasure is all mine. Um, so let's, let's jump into your autism. What do you got for us? Uh, yeah, you know how me and P roll. Uh, so Jonas, um, because you know, you're into this taproot stuff and, uh, you happen to be one of these BIP authors. Um, I'm curious, you know, what's up with signatures these days? You know, I'll be in the DMS with Shinobi once in a while. He'll be floating some other random ring signature stuff. I watched some half aggregation stuff that you posted that may be used for uh, gossip. And then also music could be used for gossip. So uh, we'd love to dive deep into the signature rabbit hole and uh, potentially end at like uh, where threshold is at these days. Well, that's a whole nother two hour <laughs> conversation. <laughs> Um, okay, where are signatures these days? Uh, according to my best estimate, Taproot will activate sometime November 14th. So from then on, we will have uh, Schnorr signatures on Bitcoin mainchain, which will be uh, really nice. Um, will be interesting to see how people are going to use it. Right now, I spend a lot of my time trying to uh, make music usable. Uh, I talked a little bit earlier about, about it, which um, basically what it does is uh, if you had previous, if you have a multi-sig, um, let's say a two of two in the lightning case, uh, then right now you would have to write both public keys. And then if you close the channel, both signatures on chain, which is both bad for privacy and also it costs more money using lightning um, that way compared to having just a single public key and a single signature, which is what uh, music would allow you to do. And this is what I hinted at earlier, that um, the Lightning people are really interested in making this upgrade once um, Taproot is uh, or has landed on mainchain. But of course, this all needs to be specced out how exactly this is going to look like. So uh, the Lightning people need to do that. But before they can do that, uh, we also need to uh, write a specification how exactly music should look like, like how to how do the various signers interact to actually aggregate their public keys and signatures into a single um, signature. So I'm working on that, implementing this uh, in libsecpzkp uh, right now, which is a, a fork of libsecp, the, the library that Bitcoin Core uses, um, and also trying to, to spec it out. Um, 
And there are also like regular wallet authors who would like to use music. Um, there are some like having this, um, some wallet, uh, wallets provide multi-sig functionality and they want to use music as well because they see as it as a big advantage for their users um, if they have to pay less fees. And also if it isn't immediately obvious on chain that someone is using a multi-sig wallet, which I think is a really big benefit of these things. Um, so that's in the music world, but um, uh, there are many different things that we, we also want to do. Uh, so um, you mentioned ring signatures. So interestingly, in, um, uh, in SegWit V0, our current uh, most recent um, address format, in order to spend it, you need um, to reveal the public key because in the output of this coin, or of this UTXO, there's only a, a, a hash of the public key, right? Um, so that will change in Taproot where the um, public key uh, is barely written or is, uh, is written into the output uh, of this coin. Um, so that means there's no hashing involved. Um, and this makes it simple to uh, create ring signatures over the UTXO set. So how does that work? What does it mean? Uh, what you can do, for example, is uh, let's say you have the UTXO set and you just filter the ones that are using Taproot. And then you look at the public keys, which is now possible because they're not hashed anymore. Uh, you have then you end up with a list of public keys and then you can create a ring. If one of the public keys is yours, then you can, you can create a ring signature. And a ring signature uh, over these public keys will prove that you own one of these public keys. One of them, but you don't reveal which one. And um, this could be interesting in various spam prevention uh, schemes. Um, because you don't have to reveal exactly which coin you own um, anymore. Uh, so, for example, um, there were some discussions on join market fidelity bonds where um, you don't say exactly which output you own, but you say, I own this output, um, I own one of these outputs, but you don't say it's, uh, specifically which one you own. And that's something that's um, possible with Taproot. It was possible before, but basically computationally and complexity-wise, relatively infeasible. So I think that's that's an interesting uh, research area to see how, how that could uh, improve the privacy of these fidelity bonds, because these fidelity bonds, they are also suggested in, suggested in the lightning world quite a bit. So, yeah, okay, so if they're not hashes, essentially are these points just like, I guess, uh, that you're, it's almost like the multi-hop blocks or whatever I think I've seen you previously talk about. And then secondly, uh, th this is what's like commonly referred to as like liquidity pools or whatever, right? Like if you can uh, prove that you own part of that fidelity bond. I haven't heard the word liquidity pool before. I, uh, perhaps, perhaps uh, liquidity, something liquidity, but not pool, huh? 
Okay, maybe, maybe uh, mixing two concepts, but uh, they are liquidity ads. Not not that, but uh, that okay. cool too. <laughs> you mean like a non-set, right? Well, well, uh, essentially, because uh, you're pooling, you can still pool capital in a sense of like how he was mentioning the fidelity bond, where you just have one of the keys, right? Yep. So this isn't something oh, that would happen on on chain. It's totally off chain. Um, I mean, basically, Monero is kind of similar, but there it's really on chain where you prove that you own one of these uh, input coins, but you don't reveal which one, and you do that with a ring signature. But here it would be just off chain to prove that you own some uh, coin without revealing which one. Okay, and um, another topic that you mentioned was aggregation. Yes. About okay. gossip. Yep. Okay. So, um, as I said, I'm not that deep into the technical uh, Lightning community, but um, it seems that uh, one kind of problem is that in the gossip network, uh, your channel announcements are relatively large. And that's because the channel announcements contain multiple signatures, multiple public keys. In order to prove, for example, uh, that you own a coin on chain to make this resistant, this message resistant against spam, because you don't want anyone to just send any message, because that would uh, bring down the gossip network very quickly. So you're only supposed to send a message if you can prove that you have a coin on chain, and that's basically your your spam prevention uh, method. Now the current uh, channel announcements they are relatively big. The question is, how can you reduce the size of these? And um, uh, one thing that they um, include is, for example, they include uh, the public keys of both nodes that open the channel and also signatures from both nodes. So you could use this music technique I mentioned earlier to make uh, both public keys into one public key and also both signatures into one signature. Um, and uh, that way, you already save a lot of space. But you can go further. Um, so music is essentially a way to have multiple parties sign the same message. Um, but there's also the concept of signature aggregation. And when we talk about that, we usually mean there are multiple people signing a different message. So what could happen is that um, uh, each of these channel, there are channel announcements gossiped, and um, each of these channel announcements has a signature, but um, and the signature signs the channel announcement itself. But um, what if you could have a batch of channel announcements, each having a signature, and aggregate these signatures together into a smaller signature? And that's something that would be possible with the concept of uh, half aggregation. Um, because half aggregation doesn't need uh, cooperation with the signers. So you can take a bunch of signatures and just aggregate them into one half aggregated signature. It's, uh, it's half as big as the individual signatures combined. Um, and this would already give you quite a lot. You could go even further than that using full aggregation. Um, 
And this is only on the Lightning Gossip Network, so perhaps one day this could also be used um, on the Bitcoin consensus layer to reduce the size of transactions where you have one signature per transaction as opposed to one signature per input. Is that, uh, am I mixing concepts up or is that a cross-signature input aggregation? That's cross-input signature aggregation, exactly. CISA. And that, yeah. that would be particularly helpful for CoinJoin. This would be helpful for CoinJoin um, because now it makes sense to create larger transactions and pool your inputs with other people um, because then you, uh, on like, if you imagine an infinitely large coin join, then your cost, uh, your fee that you pay for the signature is essentially zero because you don't have a signature anymore. It's aggregated into everyone else's uh, signature. Uh, but uh, actually the advantage that you get is not that big. So that's something that, um, uh, that will be, would be interesting to see in a world where we have signature aggregation because the signature is relatively large, right? It's 64 bytes, but it's also already in the witness, right? So it's also 64 witness units, uh, weight units. Um, so uh, in terms of weight units, your game isn't that big. In terms of bytes, okay, your transaction will get smaller, but in terms of weight units, I think in the infinite coin join example, you would get you would get like 18% uh, reduction in weight for an average transaction, and weight would also translate into fees, so an 18% reduction in fees. So therefore, it effectively make people uh, want to do this uh, as like a de facto or default versus doing it the other way. Uh, in a sense where you opt into a coin join, you'd essentially be of the mindset to opt out for some reason. Right now, coin join costs more than a regular transaction. In this world, yeah. coin join would cost less than a yeah. naive Bitcoin transaction, right? Exactly. I mean, there are also downsides, of course, of doing a coin join with other people. So it's like a question of what I mean, in terms of usability, right? It takes longer to create a coin join, for example, because people need to interact and need to send these uh, signatures around. That's a downside. So the question is, like, is the upside worth it? Um, but yeah, it's also, it, it just gives you a good reason to coin join because now it's not just the, how do we call them earlier? The dark people anymore with the hoodies because now it's everyone <laughs> who just want to save um, the dark fees. people. Yeah. I mean, it could work well. Like, I'm uh, thinking, like, specifically for like lightning opens, right? Because they're more low time preference transactions where people are already online anyway. So this is, this goes back to yeah. like, I, I left that one podcast that also got me through the bear market, Matt. It was noted. And there is a glorious episode, you know, with Bidstein, Pierre Richard, and uh, an extra block streamer called Johnny Dilly. And he goes into this in depth, essentially where the Holy Grail is, uh, you know, some sort of uh, batching in a sense where every channel open or channel close is also a coin join because it's uh, economically incentivized. I mean, that's the meme, right? Every transaction a coin join. I heard it on Rabbit Hole Recap. I've been spreading it before uh, that as well. 
And um, even better is every channel, lightning channel open should be a coin join in, in the ideal world where you have Let's multiple channels, dual funding channels and whatever. And if that's cheaper than not doing that, then that's, that's even better. But I mean, even in terms of bytes, like for, for the network, it gets you a lot. It's like a 40% reduction in the just size of transaction in, in bytes. So uh, that's already a huge thing. I just want to say I misnoted. What a good show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we yeah. had we had uh, Johnny Dilly on uh, TFTC as well. That was an in-person rip in New York. That was a fucking fire rip. Oh yeah, that that was really good. That too. <laughs> um so I mean guys, this has been a absolutely fantastic conversation. We are hitting the two and a half hour mark. Um you think we should just wrap up with some final thoughts? Sure, sure. I know it's okay. probably getting late for uh, the other two. <laughs> yeah, let's let's start with Nick's Bitcoin Dev. Final thoughts. Boom. Wow. Okay, I was just thinking about Matrix because somebody was uh, writing about Telegram. I think this is a, a chance to make a bigger point that um, Nick's Bitcoin is the node for the digitally sovereign. Um, people who want to have full control up down to the hardware and also want to have an overview over how it works technically um, while at the same time not having to become expert system administrators to have an extremely secure um, configuration. So uh, with that in mind, it's, it's also probably right now not, not for um, the super noobish people, but uh, I hope that once we once we get the um, project to a certain finish line, we can start. Or uh, it's probably going to be me because Jonas and um, Eric are more on the technical side. Um, start making um, more documentation for migration and just in general uh, different use cases and how to do it and. Um, yeah, we're building on a on a good foundation, on a good technical foundation right now. And um, rather than doing it vice versa, rather than getting users involved and then trying to improve the technical foundation. Awesome. Thank you, Nick's Bitcoin Dev. Uh, Vivek, final thoughts? Um, yeah, so uh, I guess... Nobody's untouchable. No plan is foolproof. Uh, software will break. Uh, that's why we strive for FOSS. That's why we strive for agnostic implementation. Uh, you know, anything that we're interested in. Um, that's why I was drawn towards Nick's Bitcoin. I will be uh, not only releasing the tutorial for this after, uh, you know, submitting it with uh, Jonas Nick for making sure I'm doing everything properly. I'll also be speaking about it at TabConf later this week. But uh, just really find uh, a FOSS project or something in this community that interests you and see if there's one way you can, some way you can contribute to it and um, just try to build. I think I've heard Nick's Bitcoin say this before. Uh, cypherpunks write code. Uh, Twitter's fun, but uh, someone's actually got to roll up their sleeves and uh, walk the walk. So. Much love to everyone that does it and walks the walk. Fuck yeah. Enjoy TabConf. It looks fantastic. 
I'm going to miss you. <laughs> Thank you, Vivek. Uh, Jonas, final thoughts. I have a lot of fun developing Next Bitcoin. Uh, it's a great side project. Um, the lows are very low, too. I would still recommend to, um, would generally recommend to have a look at NixOS. I think it is a game changer in many ways. If you've, if you stepped over a certain point, you don't want to get back into regular Linux or regular system administration. The community is, the general Nix OS community is really large and also great. Um, I am going to continue doing this because I'm going to continue running a Bitcoin node and somehow it needs to be uh, managed and that's going to continue to be through Nix Bitcoin. If people want to join, uh, this project will be really cool to see you on GitHub or Matrix. Awesome. Thank you, Jonas. I want to thank the Ride or Die Freaks for being in the live chat and hanging in here with us and being a part of the show. You guys are what make it unique. And I want to thank all of you who choose to support the show and keep it ad-free and sponsor-free so we can focus on actionable Bitcoin discussion. Uh, it is truly special. As I said in the beginning of the episode, I know I've been traveling and our Bitcoin Tuesday schedule has been in flux, um, but we're going hard into the winter months. Uh, so expect a lot of more great discussions on our Bitcoin Tuesdays. Um, I want to thank um, our guests, Nick's Bitcoin Dev, Vivek and Jonas for joining us. I really do appreciate all the work you guys do in the space. I hope you come back on um, in the future. Uh, not only to follow up on this project, but also for future uh, autistic discussion. I'm looking forward to that. And just thank you guys. Thank, thank you very you, much man. for having us. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. Yeah, I'm like, oh God, oh, oh my God. Bitch, I run the game, y'all just come and take from the side. I'm like, oh God, oh, oh my God. Everything I do, you know I do it for the squad I'm like, oh God, oh, oh my God Bitch, I run the game, y'all just commentate from the side I'm like, oh God, oh, oh my God Everything I do, you know I do it for the squad I'm like, this, 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 this the type of shit they said they really wanted So I gave them this right here, now go get blunted Check my last album, all y'all know I'm running Flip the script is cause I couldn't fucking stun it This, 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 this the type of shit my life is all about Check the forms, let you know I'm falling out They say logic, you too humble, boy, just let it out Fuck them all then, I'm a dead and now like, oh I think I know, I think I know This flow, this super flow, out of control Like, whoa, this shit like, whoa I think I know, like, whoa Like, like, whoa, like, like, like This that execution This is what the people said they wanted from me the game y'all just commentate from the side i'm like oh god oh oh my god everything i do you know i do it for the squad i'm like oh god oh oh my god bitch i run the game y'all just commentate from the side i'm like oh god oh oh my god 
Everything I do, you know I do it for the squad I'm like, hold on, let me bring it back Everybody know I'm bringing the facts And they wonder why I got it like that Cause I put everything right on the track And you know I'm a fucker and I let it go I've been living like war, I've been living You already know it, these motherfuckers wanna take it But never mistaken, I'm sure where I'm going And I'm knowing what I'm doing Intuition never switching on a mission Motherfucker, why is you bitching? Why is you bitching? Like, goddamn, I'm like, oh god Hold up, wait a minute, they ain't ready for the hook It's another day, another book I feel like Indiana and Atlanta Hotter than Havana coming with the stamina Bitch, put down your camera and live in the moment This shit right here, everybody gon' want it So what up with it? Any and everybody talk about it, boy, change it Y'all can just shut up with it, cause I know Ain't none of y'all getting the flow, boy, this that execution This is what the people said they wanted from the young boy From the, from the, from the God This that execution This is what the people said they wanted from the rap God From the, from the, from the God I'm like, oh God, oh, oh my God Bitch, I run the game, y'all just commentate from the side I'm like, oh God, oh Oh my God, everything I do, you know I do it, do it. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know It's been a hell of a ride up Hell of a ride up I know, I know, I know, I know, I know It happened in my head But I was tied up Till I heard you talking shit, now I'm fired up That was our boy Logic, ride or die Bitcoiner, will be joining us at Bitcoin 2022 for the first Bitcoin infused music festival, April 6th through 9th. Uh, ticket prices go up tomorrow. Um, you get $100 off if you buy with Bitcoin. You get an additional 21% off if you use code open source. I do not make any money from that code. That was not an ad read. I am helping them organize it. Um, love you all freaks. We'll be back for Bitcoin Tuesday next week. Uh, with Bitcoin Q&A, and I'll see you all for Rabbit Hole Recap on Thursday. Stay humble, stack sats.